So this is our first podcast of what we hope to be uh, a weekly podcast where we're able to, the pastors of Coastal Community Church are able to answer questions that arise from the sermons on Sunday morning, and um, and hopefully this will serve as an extension of our Sunday morning sermons. And so we're, we're hoping that it'll, it'll give us a platform to maybe tease out some points that, um, because of time restrictions, we're not able to. And so for this very first podcast, uh, Pastor Sean is joining me, and, uh, and we have questions that we're going to address from this week's sermon, just some questions that, uh, that some of you submitted to us uh, the, um, that uh, just came to your mind as you heard Pastor Sean preach on this Sunday. And, uh, and we hope to, uh, we're excited about being able to answer those questions and be able to, uh, Lord willing, cover a little bit more ground and, and, and give a little bit more biblical understanding as to... Um, uh, what Coastal believes about what the Bible teaches. And uh, and so with that, Pastor Sean, thank you for um, being willing to do this. And, it's great uh, to be here. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, before we jump into the questions, I mean, just say two, two things. First of all, Pastor Joe, I want to thank you for stepping up. We've added to your title, uh, the Pastor of Corporate Worship and, and Discipleship. And so and giving leader to small groups, I appreciate that. And I also want to thank you small group leaders for stepping up and giving leadership to the church body. And um, I, you know, we had a, I don't know about your small groups. I'm assuming they're similar to ours with the sign up. We had a lot of new people. So thank you for giving oversight. Uh, probably need to begin to even now sow seeds and begin to give prayer to, um, adding more small groups going forward. So I hope you small group leaders are in conjunction working with Pastor Joey, praying through, you know, new leaders that we can equip and and unleash going forward as Coastal continues to grow. We want people plugged into small groups, which means we have to have enough of them to offer. So thank you guys, and I hope your week got off, started off right, and I'm eager to jump into these questions. Yeah, so what we're going to do essentially is I'm going to read you some questions that were submitted to me, and we can just uh, answer those questions via discussion between you and I. And uh, I'm sure all of them will be perfectly answerable. You're going to answer, there will be no more questions after you answer these questions sure. it's, it's we'll answer yeah. them completely mm-hmm. uh so the very first question we'll just jump right in uh what are the non-negotiable beliefs of a christian no, that's a fantastic question um so off the cuff um i would probably default um i'm pausing to think i would probably default to our essentials at coastal at coastal we have eight essentials that we we lay in front of the congregation for a new membership. So if it's, if it's been a while or you haven't been in our We Are Coastal class, part of the We Are Coastal class is the eight essential doctrines of coastal, which, so I'm going to do these without looking at a sheet of paper, so I hope I get them right. You can fill, fill them in, but um, we, it's to believe the God of the Bible, and he's a Trinitarian God, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think that's non-negotiable because without that, you... You distort the gospel. If Jesus is anything le- with some religions where he's less than a god or he became a god later, he wasn't an eternal god, then you distort the gospel. So I think that's number one. Um, number two, it's the essential of the word of God um, being God's word to us. And even as we discussed this week, um, that God in his nature is not separable from the word. So they're one and the same. And so... That lets us know about the God that we worship, what he expects, how, what does salvation look like, how does how the church organize, how do we worship him in our private life. All of that flows out of knowing the word of God. That's number two. Um, <clears throat> number three is man's condition is one of sin. 
disobedience to God, that's our starting place in this relationship with God. And so you have to understand who you are and then who God is. And so um, so we have to understand that. We have to understand, number four, uh, God's means of salvation, uh, which is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And, um, and understanding that as the gospel, if um, Paul says in Romans chapter 10, you have to confess Jesus as Lord. Um, and there's a lot to that, actually, that you know, first you understand who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. His person and His work, His Lordship means that he, you submit to Him. Uh, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. So you have to understand the, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ and that um, he, he rose again bodily um, is, is an important piece of that. So uh, understanding how, how we're saved from the penalty of sins. That's four. I'm going to try to remember here the, the all five. Um, number five, help me out. What's number five of our essentials? Um, uh, the, the nature of the church. The church is what God is doing on, on earth. I don't know if that's essential to being a Christian. So. And I do think it's important. I mean, what what uh, what is the definition of yeah. a church? No, absolutely. It's, yeah, that you're the church. Mm-hmm. So you become a believer. You have the deposit of the third person that's running in your life. Um, I think, I think Christians... I mean, this is a very black and white question, so that's that's my caution, I guess, in answering it. I think a, we live in a culture where a lot of people that are Christians have a low view of the church. I think that's problematic. Yeah. Um, so I'm pausing on the complete answer, but minimum, we should have a high view of the church you know, yeah. and be the church. If we cease, if the Christians cease to be the church, then the church doesn't exist, and that is what God is doing to to present the gospel to the world. Um, so I think you have to believe that for sure to be a Christian. Um, I think that you have to um, have believe that God has defined for us righteousness and holiness. So just the doctrine of justification is the declared holiness of God upon us by grace through faith and the personal work of Christ. Um, and so we... We don't get to make that up. That's up to the Lord. So without that, um, if we're defining holiness, then we're defining, you know, if we redefine holiness and righteousness, then we're also redefining what Jesus died for, what sins he died for, and then what is declared upon us. Um, And I know this question probably stems out of some of the statements I made this week about, you know, a church ceases to be a church. And so, I mean, just to be, I guess forthright. I mean, we, we live in a culture where there are churches that are ordaining as pastors and as spiritual leaders in the church patterns of behavior that the Bible clearly defines as sin, and they're ordaining them as spiritual leaders in the church. And, and in my opinion, I think that church ceases to be a church because they're affirming sin as it's okay to have the sin and as a habitual sin and be a spiritual leader. That's it. I'm. I'll stop rambling. You got any more to that? No. So, um, just to, even to give a little bit of context, uh, in in this past week's sermon, uh, you talked about a certain politician that I won't rename, but he was a politician who claims to be Christian, and he um, disagrees with the scriptures. And the declaration you made was that that's not a Christian position. You can't you can't say that I'm a believer. And discard what what the word of god defines as sin and and so when i when i think about 
to kind of summarize some of your answer, and you can tell me if I'm off base or not, the the uh, what are the non-negotiable beliefs that make um, someone a, a a believer or a Christian is you're you're agreeing with the Scripture about what it reveals about who God is. You're agreeing with the Scripture about who who we are, and you're agreeing with the Scripture about the remedy that God's provided for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And you're agreeing with the Scripture about our new identity as the the church. In Christ. In Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say, you know, I mean, that was part of the why I went off, of, I think, a little bit on the tangent of what is the gospel. The gospel is repent and believe. And so yeah. what's happening in American Christianity is we're lopping off the repentance piece. Yeah, if you lop off sure. the repentance piece, then there's no sin piece. Yeah. And if there's no sin piece, then you've eliminated man's problem. Yeah. And if the man doesn't have a problem, then man doesn't need a savior. I mean, it just it, it evolves from there or digresses from there is probably the wrong, the better use of it. And so um, I think what I said about this politician is I, I, I may have been bolder, but I, the point I was trying to make was I, I wish that he would stop calling himself a Christian. He can hold whatever view he wants. I'm not angry at that. I don't, I don't hate in any way. I disagree, of course, but I, it, it's not a Christian world. Please stop calling yourself a Christian and holding to a clearly unbiblical worldview of, uh, of marriage and gender orientation. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that leads us into our next question, which is, it's two sides of the same coin. So in, in one sense, you've already answered it uh, in the positive, but now we would be answering it in the negative. But um, the question is, what are the unbiblical beliefs that would mean someone is not a Christian? And, and maybe just to kind of set a foundation for that for us. Um, I just wanted to read. Um, it's it's from from First John, and so maybe we can use that as a as a bit of a um, a springboard. Let me pull it up here. You probably could have pulled it up on your phone. I could have, but you know, it, that would have been too quick, and then they wouldn't be able to hear me turning the pages and. Sounds official. Yeah, it sounds official. Um, uh, I mean, in First John, uh, starting with verse 5, uh, the Apostle John says this. He says, This is the message we've heard from him, uh, speaking of, 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 of Christ, and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so with that kind of as the... Maybe the 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 text. Um, what? How would you succinctly answer what what disqualifies someone from from being a Christian, even though they may profess, um, "Hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian." Right. Um, well, I th- boy, how do I succinctly answer that? So or take as off, much time as you want. Yeah, you want to be your, your way. No, nope. get two preachers behind a microphone. Um, I actually so 
the answer is twofold. It's anything that's in rebellion to God's character or nature that the Bible would call sinful. Okay, however, we're all sinners, right? If anyone says without sin, he's lying. We, in our, even in our process of sanctification, we're going to wrestle with sin. So here's kind of a long answer to that. That is part of the power of church discipline, and that's why I am a big believer in committing yourself to a local church. And in fact, I think one of the things that makes a church cease to be a church, this is probably a bolder statement than these small group leaders were signing up for, but is, is churches should practice church discipline. When a church ceases to practice church discipline, I think we can say they cease to be a church. And I think that's part of the weakness of the American can church. Can you tease that out a little bit, like define yeah. church discipline? Yeah, church discipline in Matthew 18. So if a brother is caught in a sin, we're supposed to sit we really love our brothers and Christ and someone's caught in a sin, I even kind of hinted at this in the sermon this week, you know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So if there's a brother or sister in Christ that's on a habitual sin, it's a pattern of of sin, then they're they're on the pathway to death. And we don't want them to be there. We want them to be on the pathway to life, to growing to be more like Christ, the process of sanctification. Um, and so a brother, a loving brother, a brother would sit down with a brother, a sister would sit down with a sister, and you sit down and confront that sin. Hey, I see this pattern. I think it's a pattern that needs to be repented of, turned from, and, and there needs to be some growth. If that doesn't happen, then we take a, another person with us um, to that would affirm, yes, this is a habitual pattern in this brother or sister's life. We want to see this sin repented of. If that doesn't happen, we should bring them in front of the church leadership for repentance. If that doesn't happen, we should dismiss them from the church. And then you have First Corinthians that teaches about that, and then First Corinthians, Second Corinthians five teaches us about how do you restore a brother or sister back into the fellowship of the church. I don't know if that that's we could go further. So um, back to the original question is there is a great power in that. There's a responsibility of the church to so, to help our brothers and sisters in Christ not get ensnared by sin and and thereby um, no longer be a part of the faith, you know. Um, some of the Hebrew stuff we did this summer. Yeah. You may have taught on that. Did you teach on that passage? Uh, I don't think I taught on that pra- passage, but I mean, you, you were referring to Hebrews 3, the deceitfulness of yeah, sin. Deceitful of sin, mm-hmm. right, so... You know, I don't know if that answers the question. No, it's good. It's well the the I mean in in the the goal of church discipline is reconciliation, and so as as a church, our um, commitment should be to see people restored in relationship to God and relationship to one another. And the means of grace that God's given us to do that is church discipline, and and um, and so for us to to not acknowledge sin and to not. Con- confront sin um, is to hate our brothers and sisters. Right. It, it's it's to for us, for us to not do that is for us to sin against them. Uh, w- whether we call that the sin of commission or the sin of omission, um, and uh, and it's to call God a liar. And so for us to disagree with the scriptures. Um, which again gets back to what you were saying about the politician for for him to disagree with the scriptures or to manipulate the scriptures and say that they say say something they don't actually uh, speak to um, is to 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 call God a liar, which is um, that's pretty. He- I mean, that's pretty heavy. Which uh, we looked at this week. He's not a liar. He's not Titus a liar. Titus one and yeah. Hebrews thirteen. He's not a liar. So. Yeah. Um, so it's bigger than just saying, "Well, I'm not sinning." It, you're also speaking a declaration about the character of God. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the question probably wants me to delve into particular sins, and I, I don't know that that's really the answer. Yeah. I mean, we're we're all growing, and I think we all st- 
So when we become a Christian, we start at a place, and then God matures us by the work of the Spirit, by the work of the Word, by the work of community and spiritual disciplines. You know, we we should be maturing, and so there's that tension and balance. Uh, maybe tension is a better word um, of. Um, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we there's the discipline place, but there's also grace. I mean, um, a healthy, mature leadership is going to exercise a lot of grace with their with their members that we're all in process, yeah. and um, it's 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 not intended to be legalistic or that's you know yeah. not loving. Yeah. So so there's that two sides of love. There's the tenderness side, and then there's the I would be unloving to let you go down a dangerous path. Yeah, side, you know so. Um, it should be both yeah and that's where maturity comes in with your church leadership yeah the good news of all that is somebody whose heart's been captivated by the gospel is already in acknowledgement about what the scriptures say um and but in that we're prone to forget right um and which is why we need each which is the hebrews 3 thing remind each other every day as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin the um uh, that's a, that's a, a, another means of grace the Lord gives us, and if the Holy Spirit's living in us, um, we we won't get too far down the road before we're grieved um, because we see that our sin is a transgression ultimately against God. Correct. So, I don't know if that answered that question. Well, no, I, th- I think that was good. The, you want to spend forty five more minutes on it? No. Oh, okay. Well, the, you do. Oh, all right. The it is three. These, is it three in the morning? How much longer do these small group leaders want to listen? They're chomping at the bit. The uh, who's the? Is there a sponsor for this? Do we need to? Um, <laughs> this last question sponsored by sponsored by. Um, so you kind you kind of already answered this question. So I don't feel the need to to ask it. What are the unbiblical beliefs that would mean a church is not a church? Mm-hmm. But is there anything particular that you feel like you need to speak to on that? That. Um. Well, I mean, do you want me to speak specifically to the politician that we quoted this week? Is that what you're asking me? Uh, Well, not necessarily, but you can. I mean, so what, you know. So I I mean, obviously, one of the things that's happening in America is, you know, we're churches are beginning to wrestle with the gender issue. I mean, it's being pushed to the forefront um, in in our culture. And um, I, I think as. You know, we we actually talked about this in a, in a membership meeting about a year ago um, that we had, and because um, we had to add, um, we had to what did we add? We, had we added a consti- section in there defining marriage, family and marriage, marriage yeah, family and marriage to our constitution. And so, you know, I think on a specifics, I think that that the churches that are ordaining practicing homosexuals as pastors and as um, you know, maybe deacons and elders. Um, I think we can call them out and say that's that's not a church. Yeah. Um, that's and and I guess some of my passion this week was birthed out of this idea. Like you can call you live in America, you can call yourself whatever you want. Please stop calling yourself a church yeah. because you're confusing people. Yeah. Um, and then I was I was hopefully was careful enough to say in the service that you know I'm, I'm not picking on one sexual sin I mean I feel the same way about um, pastors that are 
you know, hooked on pornography, pastors that are cheating on their wives, pastors that are embezzling leaders that are embezzling money, all of that. Like, if there's not repentance there, again, people sin, okay, but if there's... It's if a it's, celebration of that sin. Uh, that's uh, great, yeah. great use, yes. Yeah. If you're celebrating sin and calling it, no longer calling it sin, then you cease to be a church. Yeah. Well, the minute, that's, that's probably the answer, the minute a church celebrates sin and no longer calls it a sin... And the Bible's very clear, like this behavior is sin, this this heart condition is sin, and it's no longer called a sin, then you cease to be a church. Yeah. Because you you um God has defined holiness and righteousness in his own character since before time began. I mean, you're talking about the idea of the nature of God, the overflow of the nature of God from eternity past to eternity future. So we got to look past just our little moment in time, and the minute we do that, we're redef- in some ways redefining the nature of God. Yep, that's a very terrifying place to be. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> so, yeah, in 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 addition to that, even placing ourselves as an authority over what the scriptures say, mm-hmm. um, making ourselves the authority on morality, which is. Is going to shift constantly. Right, which goes to the sermon I preached two weeks ago. I think that sermon really holds a lot of weight here. I mean, we have to determine where we find truth. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were talking about this in, in our small group, that there is a little bit of a faith element to the submission of the Word of God. I don't think it's unreasonable. I think the Bible has a lot of reason to it that we can come to and go, okay, this is this this scripture holds a lot of validity. But there's also a little bit of a faith element that what am I going to choose to submit my life to? Am I going to choose to submit my life to my own thoughts, someone else's thoughts, the we at Coastal we hold to the Bible's word of God. So um I just keep coming back to the disciples when Jesus said, Do you wanna do you want do you want to leave? And they were like, Where else are you gonna we're gonna go to find the words of life? Yeah. And so we all have to in some ways ask that question, where am I gonna go find the abundant life? Yeah. And uh, it's the scriptures uh, for us at Coastal that we're building our lives around and defining morality for us and defining the character of God for us. Yeah. It's bigger than defining morality, it's defining the character of God. Yeah. Yep. That's good. You wanna to talk to my sermon two weeks ago? The Talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, did you want to add anything to that? No, I, I mean, I think it's good. It's it's the, uh, I, at the end of the day, if either the scripture is authoritative and sufficient and unchanging, and you view it as such, or you can't trust in it, you either take it all or you, you can't take or take any of it. Right. It's, it's um, and, and if that's not your authority, then what, what is? Everybody has some sort of authority, right. whether they acknowledge it or not. Right. Um, and so, so no, that's, that's good. The, um, let me ask you, this is just the, the final piece right here. And I, and I think this probably was, um, this question was asked because of, uh, the Romans passage you, you, uh, you quoted on Sunday, uh, how, how will they know unless someone, someone goes mm. and the, um, uh, referring to the gospel, the Apostle Paul is talking about that. And the question is, is it possible for a person to never hear about Jesus and be a Christian? Uh, the, so the short answer, so this is one of the very, very difficult questions facing Christianity, and I think it's a fair question. 
The short answer is no. It, uh, I mean, that's what, what I'm, I'm sure the question was. But that concludes the uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was, the short answer is no, because uh, I'm sure the question was birthed out of the um, Paul saying, how are people going to know unless someone goes and tells them, yeah. right? And so yeah. that's a great question. Um, and, and, and birthed out of the idea that general revelation is enough to condemn us. It's not enough to save us. And so the, we do need special revelation to save us, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, that is a, a, so I'll, I'll answer that in a, maybe a, a philosophical or a heady answer, and I'll give a practical illustration. Um, uh, we, it, it's, every tribe, tongue, and nation needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So a coastal yeah. community church, when we get up and we talk about every tribe, tongue, and nation, it's, like it's deep it's got to be deep in our hearts via salvation the work of the holy spirit in our hearts that we're really serious about taking the the word of god to every tribe tongue and nation and i think a lot of times this question's asked and sometimes i think we have to make it personal too like am i willing would i be willing to be a missionary to one of the parts of the earth that has no means to hear the gospel um, that is a question I think every believer should wrestle with yeah. because the commissioning is for all of us. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I mean, to my small group leaders, I'll throw this out there. Like, if you got somebody that's a member of this church that's thinking about going on missions, I want to know about it. We, we want to support our church body and being a part of taking the gospel to every tribe, tongue, nation. So that's kind of the maybe the heady answer. The, the, the tender or the story answer is when I was... Um, 18 years old, I went and spent an entire summer in Papua New Guinea, and I literally spent six over six weeks in one of these tribes in the middle of Papua New Guinea that would be one of these groups that most people go, There's, these are the people that have never heard. And um, we were there because of a missionary from Pioneer Missions, and he um, he was actually, the, the Pioneers was taking him to another village that was, he was hiking, uh, they had to go in by foot, they had to cut out an airstrip, that's how they... That's how they got resources and things, traveled to the village where he was going to plant a church. He was going to a bigger village that Pioneers thought was more strategic, but he spent the night in this village called Kitiwa. And uh, Kitiwa's founding pastor, was his name was Pastor Medwa. And uh, Pastor Medwa had, because he had looked at general revelation, he had looked at creation, he came to realize that the, the gods, small g, that they were worshiping in his village were not true gods. And he, he looked at creation and he prayed a prayer and said, God, if you'll reveal yourself to me, creator, I, I will follow you. And, uh, you know, I always think about the book of James. The book of James says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And and I, that is equally true. So we have these two tensions. Everybody's got to hear the gospel, or two riverbanks maybe. Every, every every person has to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but if we draw near to God, he draws near to us. He's not rejecting us. So Medwa prayed this prayer. This missionary was hiking through this village, going to another village that Pioneer's mission saw as more strategic. And uh, he felt like uh, God was calling him to this particular village, and he ended up staying in Kitiwa and and planting a church. And mm-hmm. Medwa ended up becoming the first pastor of the church. Wow. So uh, that's a little bit of a specific thing. That I'm, I'm not sure that explains every single person that walks planted Earth, but it might. Yeah. You know, it might. So you know, the uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I don't think God rejects anybody that's wanting to know the truth and drawing near to Him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think He will, by His grace. Um, because he ultimately saves people, will bring special revelation when it's a person's ready. Yeah. Yeah. 
the and from a, a theological perspective when we we talk about Christ dying for the the sins of his church I, I mean God um is is going to to provide I mean it's the story that you just told he's he's going to provide a means by which people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ so the the same God who's sovereign over all things is the God who's sovereign over sending his agents which is his local church to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and um, and so that's a, a now I'm going I'm to add this I know this is probably getting long so we'll shut this down here soon but I, um, to give the small group leaders some encouragement the, the church is growing so first of all there's more people on planet earth right now than if you took all of earth's history combined and added it together so there's 7 billion people on the planet and if you set that aside and then added everybody from generations past, there's more people on planet Earth now. So the opportunity to reach large, large number of people that have ever existed on the planet is great if we can finish the job. Um, and then secondly, in Africa, you know, we just got back from Zimbabwe. In Africa, the church is growing by 16,000 people per day. So, uh, so the church is exploding. You know, the Spirit of God is drawing people to Himself, and and the church is exploding in China, exploding in South America. So, the the, the it's the job is getting done, which is encouraging to me. You know, so um, we do have the opportunity to reach every unreached people within our generation. We have the technology to do it, and the church is growing. And I want Coastal to be a part of it. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Sean. Thank you, Pastor Joey. Yeah. That concludes the first uh, podcast. So there we go. Thank you, guys. <laughs>